This is Books and Nachos, a podcast for those of us who find excitement in the pages of a good book. Fiction and nonfiction, graphic novels and more, we're here to help you find something great to read. Hello and welcome to Books and Nachos. My name is Arnie and you may know me from previous Books and Nachos podcasts or from my collecting podcasts, Star Wars Action News and Marvelicious Toys. If you don't know me from one of those podcasts, you probably know me from Now Playing, the movie review podcast at nowplayingpodcast.com. And Now Playing has just started our spring donation drive, during which we give donors access to special reviews we make specifically as a thank you for those who support our show. This spring, we're focusing on zombie movies, including Return of the Living Dead, 28 Days Later, and tying into the recent release, we're also reviewing all of Sam Raimi's Evil Dead films. If you donate and listen to those reviews, you'll hear I'm the fan of the Evil Dead series. I've seen the movies more times than I can count, I've played the video games, I've read the comics, I bought the action figures, I've gone to conventions to meet Bruce Campbell, I have a Necronomicon replica signed by all five actors from the first film. I really love that movie series, and I'm very excited to be talking about it for now playing. But, as you'll hear, when I first saw the Evil Dead movies in the 90s, I was pretty unimpressed. I didn't get it. I watched them in 92 and didn't really think about them again. So what was it that made me revisit these films and give them another look to see what I may have missed when I was a teenager? It wasn't the movies. It wasn't the director. It was a book. If Chins Could Kill, Confessions of a B-Movie Actor, written by Bruce Campbell. I bought this book when it was a new release back in 2001, but I'm fairly sure I wasn't this book's target audience. The cover sported a giant photo of Campbell's giant face, and I had no clue who this guy was. I wasn't a fan of The Evil Dead, but I was preparing for a trip and needed some reading material, and I'm always interested in behind-the-scenes information on how Hollywood works. The text on the inside jacket is what sold me. It said, Okay, so at least you're interested enough to pick up this book and look inside. I think you and I are going to get along just fine. Life is full of choices. Right now, yours is whether or not to buy the autobiography of a mid-grade, kinda hammy actor. Am I supposed to know this guy, you think to yourself? No, and that's exactly the point. Bookstores are chock full of household name actors and their high-stakes shenanigans. I don't want to be a spoil sport, but we've all been down that road before. Case in point, look to your left. See that Judy Garland book? You don't need that. You know plenty about her already. Great voice, crappy life. Now look to your right at the Charlton Heston book. You don't need to cough up hard-earned dough for that either. You know his story too. Great voice, crappy toupee. The truth is that though you may not have a clue who I am, there are countless working stiffs like me out there grinding away every day at the Wheel of Fortune. If Chins Could Kill, Confessions of a B-Movie Actor, is my first book, and I invite you to ride with me through the choppy waters of blue-collar Hollywood. Okay, so buy the damned book already and read like the wind. Best, Bruce Campbell. So not knowing Bruce Campbell was, actually, per the dust jacket, a plus. And a quick search told me this wasn't just any nobody. He was in films I'd seen. Yes, the Evil Dead series, which I didn't have fond memories of, but also Mikhail's Navy, Escape from L.A., and Congo. Sure, none of these were good movies, but this guy had obviously been around beyond a Lifetime Movie of the Week. Plus, I saw he worked regularly with Raimi. And despite not being an Evil Dead fan, 
Darkman was one of my favorite films, and I knew Raimi was working on the upcoming Spider-Man. All this together, I bought the book, and my memory is I greatly enjoyed it. But with now playing Doing the Evil Dead retrospective, I decided to reread this book. Initially, it was to find out more information about the making of the Evil Dead trilogy, the type of homework we do for every movie retrospective at Now Playing, but given that this book is so much more than the Evil Dead, I thought I'd share my thoughts of it with you listeners here at Books and Nachos. Before I get into the book, let me start by telling you what the book isn't. Despite the title, this is not a Hollywood tell-all. While there are some stories about his encounters with celebrities like Tom Arnold, David Duchovny, Kevin Sorbo, and others, they're usually positive and always fleeting. Any negative stories about actors are few and also brief, told in such a way as to often obscure the celebrity in question. Campbell takes no joy in providing an expose on which stars do drugs and who was closeted gay or any of that other trash you see on Entertainment Tonight. Instead, this book is Campbell's autobiography, titled in such a way as to entice people unfamiliar with his body of work, like me in 2001. As such, the book actually starts off really slow. It begins with a three-page introduction discussing Campbell's ancestors, the first to move to America, and how his parents met. It's only a few pages, but it's the most tedious part of the book. And as the book is told chronologically, the first four chapters are devoted to Campbell's life growing up the youngest of three boys in a suburb of Detroit. Two of the chapters simply tell of boyhood pranks and sibling rivalry. Again, for those readers who want to stay focused on the titular B-movie acting, this isn't a portion you'd be interested in. Campbell's older brothers Mike and Don didn't go on to Hollywood, so readers may not care so much that they used to shoot firecrackers at their neighbor's house or that they had an intricate set of rules for how to interact with each other. I know I didn't really care, but all the stories are brief and told in a funny way. They're the types of stories a stranger might tell at a cocktail party. Nothing too extraordinary, but amusing enough that you pay attention. But by chapter 3, the focus of Campbell's book and his teenage life turned to film and acting. Stories of first kisses and fake UFOs are intermixed with stories of his first theater experiences and making Super 8 films as a boy. And these were some of the most enjoyable chapters in the book. Campbell doesn't bog down the reader with specifics and details. He tells a series of short, loosely strung together anecdotes. And while the earlier stories were amusing, many of these acting tales are laugh out loud funny. I was reading this portion of the book on an airplane, and my wife turned to me, asked me if I was alright. I was shaking, trying to hold in laughter that others on the plane would certainly see as odd. But from tales of creating UFOs that held a city in thrall, to early hijinks with the opposite sex, it's really a funny portion of the book. These early chapters also smartly incorporate Campbell meeting childhood Fred Sam Raimi and their early films together. In high school, Campbell and his friends were making these Super 8 films, as was Raimi, and the two crossed paths and would, to this day, continue to work together. In fact, Sam Raimi and his brother Ivan co-wrote an introduction for the book, which is funny and self-depreciating. It's a perfect warm-up act for Campbell's book. And that introduction also shows Raimi to be a good sport about Campbell's writings. As the book came out before Raimi broke box office records with Spider-Man, we get interesting tales of the director, including how as a child he'd been hung on a fence by his belt and spit on by his brother and another friend. I don't know that these types of stories would make it to print now that the director has over a billion in box office, but it's too late. The funny stories continue through Campbell's early experiences in theater, including a memorable anecdote about a stage play on pins and needles as the lead actor had been sentenced to prison, and it talks about Campbell's one year in college when he studied drama. And during this period, he lost touch with Raimi and tried to make it on his own as an actor. 
But by the 63rd page, we get to what Campbell's most diehard fans want, and the only part of this book that lingers very long, Campbell's recounting of the making of the Evil Dead. This is 13 chapters of the book where Campbell discusses the origination of the idea for the movie, the hard quest that he, Raimi, and producer Rob Tappert had scraping money together for production, the hellish shoot, the post-production, and finally the selling of the film. There is little in the book that you can't get by listening to the myriad of commentaries and making of features that have populated Evil Dead's numerous home video releases, but it's all told in Campbell's voice, with Campbell's humor, and from Campbell's point of view. The stories go from hysterical to truly frightening as he recounts the real injuries suffered on set, and I wonder how no one died making that movie. In keeping with the autobiographical aspect of his story, though, Campbell also intersperses personal details into the making of Evil Dead, including how his parents began their divorce while Campbell was off shooting the film, and his own money and car troubles during the period. Again, though, these stories are short and mostly funny, and while the Evil Dead portion is 13 chapters of the book, it's only 80 pages, and those have lots of pictures filling those pages. After his tale of the Evil Dead, the book progresses very quickly through Campbell's life. Far less time is spent on the Evil Dead sequels or any of his other movies. He doesn't run through his oeuvre item by item, instead choosing to focus on either films that were important in his career or funny stories that happen along the way. The only other time he spends a lot of time talking about a specific production is when he talks late in the book about his work on the Hercules and Xena TV series. That was some of his most recent work as of the publication of the book, and a place where he allowed his career to stay for a while as he became a recurring character and director on those series. But Campbell tells his stories with no apparent ego. He talks about how in the 90s he had the chance to make his own film, The Man with the Screaming Brain, and how he relived his Evil Dead experience of begging for money and came up short. When this book was published, the film had been given up on, and Campbell writes of it as a brush with professional failure, though devout Campbell fans like myself know the film was eventually revived, made, and released in 2005 for Sci-Fi Network. Campbell also sprinkles in bits of his personal life, but he's far more guarded about stories of his first and second wives and stories of his kids than he was with stories from his own childhood. He mentions his marriages and divorce, devoting short chapters to each, but we never get to know the people in Campbell's life, and as such, these stories lack any real impact. As an autobiography, Campbell obviously felt such details were obligatory, but as the only time these people are mentioned are during weddings and divorces, it seemed extraneous. It either needed to be more fleshed out or cut entirely. And that's the second half of the book's failing. As Campbell starts to tell stories from the set, some are amusing, but most are rote, and the laugh-out-loud humor found in the first part of the book is gone. A lot of the latter parts of the book seem like Campbell's advice to aspiring actors and directors, but told from his experience. He discusses the financial side of being a working stiff actor and how it's not as glamorous as it is for Tom Cruise or Bruce Willis, and it is certainly interesting material, but without the Campbell humor that made the first half of the book so enjoyable, it appeals less to those who don't aspire to be actors. And I think that the humor's gone because Campbell is conservative. He's afraid of bruising egos, burning bridges, or stepping on too many toes. Now don't get me wrong, there are some highlights in here, such as Campbell revealing that he was almost cast in the 1990s superhero film The Phantom, but lost out to Billy Zane. Having seen that movie, perhaps lost out isn't the right term, and lucked out is more apt. And by the time the book ends with those stories from Hercules and Xena, 
Campbell's writing shows a genuine warmth and fondness for the cast and crew of those shows. And if you're a Herc or Xena fan, this may provide some great insight, but I found myself growing tired of his tales. But the book moves by very quickly. It's only 300 pages, and many of those pages are totally blank due to a page layout that demands all chapters start on the right-hand page. There's also a lot of pictures scattered throughout, and I found myself finishing the book in under two hours, including lots of pauses to take notes for this review as well as for now playing. In a book such as this, being fleet is an asset, not a detriment. When I read this book back in 2001, I went from not knowing who Bruce Campbell was to being a fan. I went back and revisited The Evil Dead and found that in my 20s I enjoyed the films immensely in ways I just didn't get when I was in my teens. Additionally, the Raimi and Campbell stories told in the book greatly enhanced my experience watching Spider-Man the next year, able to spot Bruce Campbell's role as an in-joke for the fans. And I'm happy to say, the book's even better now that I do know Campbell. And reading the book this time, I heard the man's voice and inflection in every line. The book is so Bruce that I'm pretty sure there was no ghostwriter, and I'm just sad there isn't an audiobook adaptation of the tale. So to the Campbell novice or the devout, I heartily suggest you pick up If Chins Could Kill. It's a great insight into the man and a behind-the-scenes look at working actors in Hollywood. I only wish Campbell would write a follow-up or revised edition. I'd really like to see what he has to say about the past decade where he's really become a cult cottage industry, voicing Ash in video games and making terrible dreck like Screaming Brain or the film where he played himself in a Three Amigos ripoff called My Name is Bruce. Instead, Campbell's only other book is a work of fiction that, despite being a fan, I couldn't finish. If you want to hear me discuss more of Bruce Campbell's work, Head over to NowPlayingPodcast.com where you can find out how to hear Jacob, Stewart, and me review the Evil Dead films, including the recently released remake. And that does it for this episode of Books and Nachos. I will be back soon continuing my reviews of the Marvel prose novel with Peter David's astonishing X-Men Gifted. And Stewart will be back in a couple of weeks discussing another zombie book, the original novel of Return of the Living Dead. Yeah, it was a book before it was a movie. And then later this summer on Books and Nachos, a review of World War Z. So until next time, be sure to support your local bookstore, and thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to Books and Nachos. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes, and you can catch back episodes at our website, booksandnachos.com. The music for Books and Nachos is The Right Prescription by Chai Weapon, which can be downloaded at podsafeaudio.com. Books and Nachos is a Venganza Media production, copyright 2013, all rights reserved.